Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. This morning in Job 29, just one verse, it's rare that I start a message on one Sunday and not finish it. Well, that's not rare, but that I go back to it. It's very uncommon. I can't remember, but maybe a few times over the years that I've started a message, got through one or two points, and uh, the Lord just would burden my heart throughout the course of the week to go back and finish up. I want to look at this verse in the book of Job and, and get back on the subject, the importance of keeping things fresh. The importance of keeping things fresh in our Christian lives. I don't remember a day, an hour, a time where there has been so many things that have worked against God and His children. We'll be again in the book of Revelation 9 and chapter number 12. I'm not going to try to do any more two chapters at the time. That was too much last week. And, um, and so we'll be in chapter number 12, and in chapters 12, 13, and 14, we have seven stories that tell us how the world got to where it is right now and why God is doing what he's doing. And, uh, but, you know, there's, the devil doesn't want you to be a Christian, first of all, and then once you become a Christian, he doesn't want you be, to become a good Christian. He doesn't. He wants you to be lackadaisical. He wants you to be common, everyday, like the average Christian would be. He doesn't want you to be super as a Christian. And he wants you to be good at everything else, but he don't want you to be good at that. He wants you to be successful at every other thing, but not that. And so the battle is raging, and Job began to realize that what was going on in his life was that the devil didn't want him to be a good Christian. And so he took away everything that he had and everything that he'd hoped for, and everything that he had worked for. All of it was gone in a short period of time, and Job is left with little to nothing. But he still has this faith in God, and he still has this belief, and God uses this instance in the life of Job to show you and to show me that we can make it through the tough times. And these have been some tough times. It's been tough, a tough financial year on so many people. And just the thought of our, uh, because of inflation this year, we have most people, the average person, has lost about one paycheck a month. And so those who had four paychecks last year are typically living off of maybe three to three and a half paychecks now just because of the rise of cost of so many things. I don't want to get into that this morning. That's not my purpose. But all those things that eat at us, don't they? And then all the trouble and all the difficulty, and all the problems, and all the unrest, and all the bitterness, and all the sorrow, and all the temptations. You add it all together, and ultimately you come to a place that it is hard to keep the things of God current in your life. I dare say this morning, I think that I can say it with probably, maybe not emphatically, but I dare say this morning that most people today are not where they were five years ago with Christ. They're not in the position that they were three years ago with Christ. And we know for a fact 
there's a lot of people that's not where they were a year ago with Christ. We were talking about it in the gym this morning as the Udis were preparing that great breakfast of waffles and sausage for the bus families this morning. And it smelled so good as they were un unwrapping that stuff. And that uh, we were talking about that, that very thing that so many people learned that during COVID that they could just kind of do as they please with God. They could just kind of manipulate the situation and, and uh, such a dangerous situation to be in. Well, with all that said, I want to look at what Job made mention of in verse number 20 of chapter number 29. My glory was fresh in me. My glory was fresh in me. And my bow was renewed in my hand. And so he's saying two things, and I don't have time for a review this morning. I want to get to the final three points as quickly as I can. But he's saying that I'm ready to worship God, and I'm ready to go to war. I'm ready to take a stand. And if there's ever been a time in the Christian life, or at least in my Christian life in these last 50 years, that I see the importance of keeping everything fresh with God. I'm talking about like the manna. Get it every morning. Are you listening? Make sure that you get your manna every morning because you're not going to make it day after day without the freshness of the food of God. And uh, then be ready for battle. You don't know when the next battle's coming. He said, I got my bow in my hand. I'm ready to fight. You don't know when the next battle is coming your way. They were singing about, we could be in heaven this time tomorrow. I'll tell you what, you could be, you could be in intensive care this time tomorrow as well. Or you could be at the funeral home making arrangements for a loved one this time tomorrow. We don't have any guarantee of the next day. Boast not thyself in tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And so with, with all of that in mind, Job is doing an assessment of his life. He's taking inventory and he's looking back over what he had and where he's at and where he hopes to be. And he talked about this time uh, when he was such, so prosperous and he was so fruitful and had such a great influence on the population. And now all that's gone. Everything is gone in the life of Job. I talked about some areas uh, that we need to be mindful of. Uh, I've talked about these three phases of the glory of God. Uh, glory in God, the glory of God, and the glory that we get from God. Make no mistake about it. We don't have anything to glory of ourselves. And, and we need to make sure that we keep that glory that God has placed in us and on us and around us that we got in from Him and of Him and in Him and uh, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, I glory in two things and nothing else. He said specifically, I glory in the Lord and I glory in the cross. You remember that? I glory in the Lord and I glory in the cross. I don't have anything else to pat myself on the back about other than the cross of Christ and the Lord himself. And, and so Job is not implying that he has done something glorious or that there was some kind of aurora about him, you know, and some kind of crown on his head that's full of diamonds and gold and, and silver and, and glitter and all, and uh, that, that anybody would look to him, he's, he's come to the place. He's now in sackcloth and ashes. He's reached the very bottom of the pile. 
And he said, the only thing I can glory in is God in me, the hope of glory. And so that's the position that he's in. So this, and then we come to this word fresh. Come to this word fresh. Kind of almost an odd word in the scripture. It looks more like contemporary English, you know, when you come to this word fresh, but it's right here in the Bible, and maybe three or four or five times. And, and as I mentioned a, a moment ago, it, it means that something is new, that something is current, something is up to date. I, I guess the, in contrast of it, uh, something that is fresh, I, I guess the antonym would be something that is spoiled. And those are the two words that are used in the scripture to let us know that things are current and things are up to date and things are fresh and I'm in the will of God and I'm walking with God and I've got a prayer life and I've got a, a devotional life and I put these things in the hand of God and I'm keeping up my relationship with God. I'm keeping up my worship of God. I'm keeping up my meditation in his word, my service in his church, my communion in prayer and praise and conversation, my fellowship with God's people, and my confession of sin is a very short list. And then I can say, I'm walking currently with God. And the opposite of that would obviously be that all of those things kind of have a little stench to them. And, uh, and uh, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a little bit of bad odor when it comes to the relationship that I have with God. Could you be there this morning? If you're not there, could you be headed there this morning? I tell you, one of the greatest challenges as a pastor, when I, when I started pastoring four decades ago, you rarely had to come across messages like this where you just had to encourage God's people. Don't let up. Keep, keep the faith. Uh, take another step. Live, do the next thing. Live for him another day. Pray one more time. Uh, read your scripture one more time. Go to church one more time. And then when it's time, do it all again. And so that is, that is the perspective that I'm trying to come from this morning. And so quickly this morning, last week we looked in Psalm 92. We don't have to take time to go there this morning. Now what do we get out of it? And of course he mentions this matter of fresh. And, and one of the things in the scripture uh, that I've come across over the course of the years is this matter of the all that is represented in the Scripture again and again and again as the Holy Spirit of God being in us and on us and keeping that fresh, keeping that re relationship with the Lord. In Psalm 92, verses 1 through 11, we learn that, that, here's, that we get some spiritual help from God. In the verse number 9, we get help... Uh, in relationship or in regard to our enemies, uh, in regard to our eyes in verse number 11. There's, that's what causes us most of the trouble. And uh, that's the reason we get in a lot of the trouble we get in. It's because of the eye gate. Uh, in regard to our ears in verse number 11, God helps us. We get spiritual help when it comes to our enemies. Job is talking about that. We get spiritual help from God. He fights our battles for us. And sometimes through us, he fights the battles and, and he uh, secures our, our help from him when it comes to this matter of our enemies and our eyes and our ears. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. 
Well, I tell you, we can get in trouble with our mouth. We can get in trouble. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful. And so God helps us with those things that we have so much trouble with. We can deny it. We can say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, have, any, I don't have any enemies. Did you just come here from some alien planet? You just arrived early this morning? I don't have any enemies. I don't have any trouble with my eyes. Watch out now. Be careful. Be very careful. You know, the lust of the eyes is one of the three perpetual sins that we face in a lifetime. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What's the other one? Yeah. The flesh, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. So we have to be careful with these old eyes. And then, uh, what did you say? Really? We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. And uh, gossip and all those kind of things. Oh, be, we, need to let, we need to let everybody know that, that these things aren't trash cans. These are not garbage cans. I don't want to hear it. Now, I like, everybody likes to hear a good, no, I'm kidding. No, you really, in my heart, I don't want to hear anything bad about anybody, even my enemies. And so, uh, but we do it anyhow, don't we? We don't want to, but we wind up doing it because we just can't hardly help ourselves. The second thing we looked at is in um, our spiritual health, or we'll look at this very quickly in Psalms chapter number 23. Six verses that you've probably committed to memory. In Psalms 23, not only do we get spiritual help from God, but we get spiritual health from God. Spiritual help and physical help. We'll see that momentarily. But here in, in, Psalms, uh, uh, in Psalms 23, uh, we, get this, we get some spiritual health from God. Notice what he said. Now, I, I realize that this is, that we often, you know... Uh, Kind of um, take the, Psalms 23 as a good uh, funeral. I read it at hundreds of funerals, hundreds of funerals, and not, I'm not exaggerating. Read Psalms 23 most all the time. But then when you get down to verse number five, he says that thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Look at this now. Thou anointest my head with oil. He said things are really fresh. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so he's talking about this matter of spiritual health for those who keep things fresh, for those who keep things current, for those who are willing to spend the time in His Word and spend the time with His people and spend the time in service and spend the time in prayer. Spiritual health. You know, it's just like a, this somewhere way down, if you could look through my eyes and way down all the way deep on the inside, somewhere way down here, there's the soul. And that soul is... is just like this flesh, this body that you see, it must be fed. It must be fed. 
You can't ignore the feeding of your soul. If you do, then you're gonna, things are going to start to get a little rancid over here, and uh, things are going to start to, you know, just kind of the things of God are going to lose their flavor, and, and you're going to lose your zeal, and the next thing you know, you're going to be backslidden, and the next thing you know, you're going you're gonna to tumble and crumble and fumble, and, and you're going to be, you're going to, you'll wind up out of church. That's what happened to you, like so many have. We've had very little attrition during this difficult time, but so many churches have closed their doors. So many churches operate at 40%, at 25% of the attendance they had are trying to operate, handicapped because of that. You get spiritual health. You get spiritual health if you eat right. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But you got a hunger and you got a thirst for the things of God. And then he'll fill you. And he'll keep it fresh. And he'll, he'll make it so every time you say, well, I read through that Bible so many times. Have you ever heard anybody say, I know it from cover to cover. I run into one like that every once in a while. I know it from cover to cover. Well, I don't. And, uh, and but... The Word of God, it, you know, you've read John 3.16 and you've heard 500 messages on it, but I tell you, I'd love to hear another one. When it comes to eating food for the, for the flesh, we eat ourselves full. But when it comes to eating the spiritual Word, we eat ourselves hungry. And the more you get, the more you want. The more you feel the presence of God, the more precious the presence of God is in your life. And so we get the spiritual health if we eat right. You've got to have those spiritual meals. Just like I, I, I try to eat three meals a day. I don't like to eat in the mornings. I don't like to eat breakfast. But the doctors, they told me, said, you need to, you need to eat something in the morning. You need to eat something at lunch. You need to eat something in the evening. You need to... You know, you need to spread it out through the course of the day and make sure, and for nutritional reasons and so on and so forth, they say they, you need to do that. I don't like to eat in the mornings. I don't like to eat and, at all. But, but, you know, for my physical health, I'll do it. I'll do it. But what about for my spiritual health? And so I need, I need the food of the Word of God. And I need it more than one time a week. Hello? I need it more than Sunday morning. I tell you, I need it more than Sunday morning. I need it more than Sunday morning and Sunday school. I need it more than Sunday evening. And I need it more than Wednesday night. How many of us could survive just eating twice on Sunday morning, once on Sunday evening, and once on Wednesday evening? Our physical bodies. Well, we'd be a wreck, wouldn't we? We'd be a wreck. And yet our spiritual being goes day after day after day. Don't get quiet now. This is good stuff. I'm trying to help you. Day after day after day after day. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help your life. And so we see that we get spiritual help. But then look with me in the book of James very quickly, and we're almost done. The book of James. I say that to make you comfortable. The book of James. The book of James, we get physical, uh, we get spiritual uh, healing 
Uh, but in the text, we also get physical healing. Notice what he said in James in 5 and verse 13 through 16. Notice there's three classifications of people that are given in this story. Three different people that are given in the story. And I want to say that in any given church service with a crowd this big, we will have these three people represented in the crowd. And God's got something for you. Are you listening? And when we get together, you'll find these three categories of people. We have men and women. We have boys and girls. We have different uh, races. We have different um, vocations. We have all of those things. We have young people. We have old people. And the list goes on and on. But basically, we all boil down into one of these three categories. He said, first of all, is any among you afflicted? Is anyone afflicted? Now, we, we can readily see when someone is afflicted with a physical handicap. Now, that's easy to see. But he's asking the question, is, and, and, and the affliction here has to do with your troubles and your sorrows. He mentions the other here in just a moment. Your troubles, your sorrows, your difficulties, your pain, is any among you afflicted? Is there anyone in here this morning that's going through a difficult time? Is there anyone in here this morning that they have hardships in their life? Is there anyone in here this morning that they can't pay their bills? Is there anybody this morning that has lost their job? Is there anybody here this morning that has a wayward child? Is there anyone here this morning that's got a problem? He said, is any among you afflicted? And the answer is sure. You never know how many. In a crowd this size, it might be 15 to 20 that you're carrying a burden, that you're carrying a load, and it's weighing you down. And, it's, and we all attend those things. We all have those things. Trials and tribulations, they're common to life. Suffer loss. Is anybody afflicted? Category one. Number two, he said, is any married? <laughs> Amen. Is anybody? And every once in a while, you know, uh, we'll, uh, when I think about being married, I think about Jonathan Montgomery. <laughs> and I don't know how he is everywhere else, but when he gets to church, if, if, he, if anybody tries to make for a happy service, Jonathan Montgomery does it. Hello? And I'm not, I'm not bragging on him or anything. I'm just saying, hey, is anybody married? And, and usually you can pick out the ones that are married because they have, if not, if not force, they have, a, they have a, a ready smile on their face. And they come in and you say, well, how are you doing? Sometimes that's not a good question to ask. Unless you've got a little bit of time, don't ask that. When, well, how are you doing? Well, and don't ask me, <laughs> you know. I may tell you, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'll probably tell you. But some people, you know, they're almost annoying. They're so, they're so jovial and they're, you know, they're just so happy and, and they're just, man, don't you realize that what all is going on around the world and don't you understand that, that we're tired and that we're worn out and, and you want us to sing and you want us to be happy? 
Is anybody merry? Is anybody just pleasantly living in the grace of God and somehow or another you're able to over the troubles and, and over and put, or at least put them in their place. I'm not saying you get over them, but you, but you face the reality that we're going to have trouble and we're going to have problems and it's going to be difficult times, but I don't have to go around all the time with a sour countenance. I can understand that I've got troubles. Everybody's got troubles. All God's children have troubles. And we make a choice. We choose. We cannot choose the circumstances, but we can choose the response to them. And God is still on the throne, and He's still God when the world is falling apart. He's still the God of heaven and the God of glory. Though everything around you, Job, be falling apart, God is still God. God is still good. Is anybody Mary? And then he says, any sick among you. Those three categories, the afflicted, the merry, and those that are sick. Those that are sick. He said, if so, let him call upon the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Look at this. Anointing him with all. There it is again. And, uh, we've, uh, and we looked in Psalms 92 about the fresh oil. And uh, that's the emphasis behind this. And here is the all once again. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You, you, then you come to the house of God. And in this house of God setting, there's some afflicted people, there's some married people, there's some sick people, and all they're, they're told, well, let's take the all and anoint this sick person and uh, this afflicted person with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if they have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults. Here's where we come up short one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Not only do we get spiritual help, we get spiritual health and we get spiritual healing. In Luke chapter number 10, when the good Samaritan comes by to this guy that has been attacked on the roadside, that wouldn't be an odd thing this day and hour, and he takes him and he takes oil and wine and he pours it in the wound. You know why? Because they bring healing. The oil brings healing. And the wine. Type of the Holy Spirit. We looked at that last week. Sorry I don't have time to cover everything. Let's look at in Psalms uh, 133 quickly. In Psalms 133. In Psalms 133. I love these three verses. And I've got to, I've got to come to a conclusion. And so now we get. What do we get when we keep things fresh? What do we get when we keep things current? What, what's the benefits of going to all this trouble to spend time with God and, and God's people? What, what do we benefit? We get some help. We get some health. We get some healing. But we also get harmony. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment. And we know what the, the it was all an ointment that was, was poured over Aaron. And uh, upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment, and uh, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended 
upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And so we see not only do we get help, not only do we get health, not only do we get healing, but we also get harmony. And can I say that in three different ways? You get it with yourself. You, Paul said that there's this battle that's going on in the inside of me. The battle is raging on the inside of me. And uh, the old preacher, he said, it's like two dogs that are fighting. He said, every morning when I get up, there's a good dog and there's a bad dog and they go to, they go to fighting. Somebody said, which one wins? He said, the one that I say sick them to. The one that I say sick them to. Unity, harmony. Not only do you get that harmony in yourself, but you get it in your family. Get in your family. Harmony, unity in the family. But thirdly, and as equally important, you get it in the church. You get it in the church. Harmony. There's not, there's not anything better than for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. Usually if it's, if, it's, if it's a Harmony Baptist Church, it's a split out of Unity Baptist Church. I remember the story in the pictures back in the 70s up in Kentucky where they had taken an old-timey church and chainsaws and cut it in half, had half the building over here, half the building 100 yards away on the other side of the property, and uh, that's, that's what they came up with. They couldn't get along, so... Half of them took this side and half of them took this side, closed it in with plywood on the back and had church. Something wrong with that picture. God's people ought to get along. And uh, in harmony, in harmony, this, this matter of, uh, of uh, and by the way, uh, this, uh, there are three things in the scripture that there's no healing for. There's no remedy, and it says so. One of them, it says, in 2 Chronicles 36, I, I hadn't preached it in a year or so. You have to forgive me. It's not fresh on my mind, but it's 2, 2 Chronicles 36, that they despise the word of the Lord through the prophets. And these are the, these, this is the condemnation of that, despising this word for which there was no remedy. That word, that phrase, no remedy, is only mentioned three times in the entire Bible. One in that place, despising the word of God, for which there is no remedy. There's no cure for it. Not anything you can do about it. If you despise the word of God, not anything you can do about it. It's like some rare cancer or some rare disease that there's research that's going on and, 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 they're, and they're trying to scientifically come up with an answer for it, but there's no, there's no cure for despising the Word of God. I can't remember what the second one was. I have to look at my notes when I go home. But the third one is this in Proverbs 6. 
And it says about those who bring division. What, how does it say it? Let me, let me read it. It said that, uh, that there are six things that the Lord doth hate. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, no, I need to go back to verse number 14. Forwardness in his heart, and he that deviseth, uh, he that continually soweth discord. That's what it is. One is despising the word of God. The other is sowing discord among the brethren. Wake up now. Discord among the brethren. You know, there are some people that are given to that. I preach a whole series on how to make trouble for a troublemaker. And I don't wait till there's trouble around to preach it. I may preach it soon, I don't know. But people have divided churches in America that, to the place that they are helpless. Not anything worse. And here's what happens, he said, Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. There's no remedy for somebody who sows discord among the brethren. They'll probably go to their grave with that. Because God loves his church. I wish I could remember what third one is. I can't feel like so many. And so harmony. Harmony is the key to a good life. That's what the psychologists and the psychiatrists, they, they put you on the couch and, and, and you spend a lot of your money for them to psychoanalyze you and try to get you to be at harmony with yourself. <sighs> harmony with yourself. And you can look in the mirror. You're a good looking thing. And you can step on the scales and say, that's exactly what God wants me to weigh. When you have harmony with yourself and in your family, and in your church. Harmony. Spiritual harmony. We'll close with this one. It's back in the book of Proverbs. And I'll just, I've already alluded to it. In um, Proverbs 21, 20, we get a spiritual home. Well, we start to put that first. A spiritual home. There's treasure to be desired and all. There it is again. In all of our verses. And all in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man spendeth it up. There's treasure to be desired. You get a spiritual home. You get a spiritual home for your efforts in walking with the Lord. I tell you, if there's ever been a day and hour that we need our homes in America to be spirit-filled, it's now. It's now. This modern age of, of all the things that are going on and the way things are rapidly changing and, and our, our adults have opened up a door that I'm afraid they're never going to get it closed. And it started recently with all of this uh, woke agenda and gender agenda and climate agenda with all these things that are going on. Our families are suffering. Suffering. 
You may have seen it this morning, but now they're trying to make it a criminal offense if a parent does not adhere to the gender changes that their child wants to do. That you're, that you're a child abuser and that you can be arrested and handcuffed if you, if you don't, if you don't, if you have, and, and they were talking in the same conversation about how that now that, that for young boys and girls, the age younger than the boys and girls that are in here this morning, that now they can, they can uh, provide for them hormone therapy and uh, to start and, and uh, to enact uh, gender changes. They can, give, they can give your child hormone, hormone therapy without your permission, but we can't even give a child an aspirin without getting a written note from their parent. Can't give them an aspirin. And now we've opened up this Pandora's box, that old Greek mytho mythology idea that, you know, and Zeus and all of those kind of things, and, and uh, Pandora got this this vessel, and, and when she opened it up, there were all kind of things that came out of it that couldn't even be imagined. And that's what's happened in our land. The adults have opened it up, and I'm afraid they'll never get the cover back on it. There, there, are, there are young people today that are in this uh, identity thing, and they identify themselves as animals. Some is cats, some is dogs. You haven't heard that? And if an adult asks them a question, or a teacher, or a counselor, or somebody asks them a question, a neighbor asks them a question, they answer with a bark or a meow. That's where we are. If an adult, especially one of my teachers, if my te one of my teachers in school had ever asked me a question and I barked at them, my mama would have put a muzzle on me and beat me with a newspaper when I got home. <laughs> but adults did it. But you can have a spiritual home in the midst of all this. Let's stand. Our time's come and gone. We have a brief invitation, maybe just one verse.